This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. to do, man. Shake a leg. Wiggle those toes. Fonzina, get up. All right, let's take a look at what's happening traffic-wise before we get... Maybe I would not look at traffic. Wow. The creek is busy in San Fernando. We are leaving San Fernando. Volume heading straight up towards Sugar Guanas. And in traffic from Sugar Guanas to the interchange. Rivland Road to Point Lisa is heavy. Leaving Cuba to Chase Village. Passing Calcutta. One, two, and three. Traffic. Sugar Guanas Main Road from Chinchin Road. Straight up towards QRF. Golden Grove Road. City Central Road, Eastern Main Road. Wow, it is heavy. What a Maraval from Mocha, Digo Martin, all routes. Traffic is bad. Every which way. Alright, just thought I'll tell you that. Wow. 23 degrees. And our beautiful sister Isle of Tobago with some heavy rain showers. We got rain showers at Piaco International Airport also at 23. Wow. Anyway, let's get into the results of our morning poll, shall we? All right, let's get into it and I will tell you, this alone will tell you the results. It will. All right. Oh, I got another one there. Sexy San Fernando. All right, gentlemen. Derek. Uh, this is where we stream on YouTube. So good morning to all those that locked on on YouTube. Uh, Derek Cornwall has joined us in this morning. All right. To our poll this morning. If you could, 
would you consider migrating from our beloved Twin Island Republic of Trinidad and Tobago? That's our poll this morning. So let me give you results from our callers and message board. We got 14 people saying, Not leaving. You want me to I can do a better version? Oh, yeah. All right. So nine people said yes, they would leave, and 14 said, Not leaving. Of course, I'm just checking the uh, poll online on our website and app. We're saying that 82% of the folks said, said yes, they would leave. All right. Start indictment. You know? Yeah. Oops. Let's lower this down. Yeah. There we go, Paulo. That's the result of our morning poll. Of course, our morning poll is going to stay up until tomorrow where we give you the final results on Friday. Quite unfortunate sense of a there we are yeah no kidding I don't know I, you, you know and again as I said earlier on the, the inordinate focus on the 108 legally obtained firearms when we still know that the vast majority of crimes are being committed by illegal firearms is astounding to me yeah quite it, it's quite i don't i don't know what to call it you, you know baffling that we're focusing on the 108 gun no no we shouldn't focus but the inordinate amount of focus yeah that we're that focusing on that It's almost like a deliberate distraction, to be very honest. The folks are wrong. All right. I'll guess. I'll guess. Because the real issue is still illegal guns. Yeah. Buy them now. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, it it seems it's a it's a needless tit for tat. Um, it started. I think it was most prominent when we had this sort of a, a increase. Um, in November, December, in November, I should say, last year, October, November, whether Trinidad was having a Trinidad Tobago was having a, a, a spike, um, it boiled down to semantics, and you know, I just tip for tap. Yeah, it's just pure semantics as far as I can more, tell. More semantics at one point. Now I just started to on what is is domestic situation. Well, is, is, yes, we have a, a problem. Alright, Paul, I lost you completely. I had a feeling that was going to happen. So you could you could put up how much distractions you want. You could add how much of the narrative you want about the legal guns. But it still comes down to your ability or inability to deal with the gangs in the streets and the hardened criminals. That's what it comes down to. And it's, it's, it's primarily illegal guns they're using. So let's not get sidetracked by 
four murders by not not that they're not important because they're people, they're human beings, by uh, the, the legally obtained firearms when over ninety nine percent of the murders being committed are by illegal firearms. Why are being why are we allowing ourselves to be sidetracked by that? And I think it's 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 also part of it. Also has to do. As I've said before, you know, with the uh, the ammunition, ammunition is a is 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 an unseen component in this thing, and um, you know, firearms and use of firearms, uh, ammunition is a um, a consumable. So without ammunition, firearm is just a, a metal piece of stick. Yeah, um, and and the fact that there's been no um, real monitoring and oversight. Where the importation of ammunition is concerned by legal legal importers. One of the a couple of years ago, I did a project with um with the OCNFB, a data issue they had, and um you know one of the things that the discussions this was like at least seven years ago, and back then one of the conversations we were having was whether or not they should be well that they should start to monitor the price of ammunition and the price of these things and to see how that varies over time because then that can give you an indication as to whether or not the measures that you have in place are working to restrict the flu. So if there's a restriction in supply, then there'd be less ammunition available. And then as a result, the price will go up. So what struck me the most in that um, information that came out in Parliament with the what, what the minister said in the Senate was that the price of ammunition had gone down, right? And this is an indication clearly that there's an abundance of supply that, that they, they have gotten, you know, an increase in supply from somewhere as opposed to what obtained previously. So that is for me what is most troubling because you see, you know, on the crime scenes, you see on various crime scenes, I think it was mentioned somewhere that, you know, 65 rounds, 65 shells were seen, um, yeah. you know. And, but, and, but... The fact that the minister could say yesterday, millions and millions and millions of rounds. Those are the words he used. Millions and millions of millions of rounds. Let's not kid ourselves, not thousands of rounds. Millions and millions of rounds of ammunition have been imported in the last couple of years. Of course, he was taking some tribes at Gary Griffey. He didn't call his name, but that is, mm -hmm. that, that is where a lot of his narrative was pointed. Uh, you know, the government has had the issues with Gary Griffith and Gary, Griffith, Gary Griffith has had the issues with the government. So it's a every opportunity to slam each other clearly but but at the end of the day there i i don't think gary griffith didn't break the law by granting the fuels that i know about you understand if if he has this the authority hasn't said so um the legally uh the legal importers from the information from the minister and others they didn't break the law it's just unregulated and unchecked you know, it's, it's, it's unmonitored, it's, it's unregulated to a certain extent. So you may not have broken the law. I, I agree when you with the importation. Um, but but I think, you know, I know some people don't like, a lot of people don't like Stephen Williams, right? I, I had always had a, a, a good impression of him um, with the things that he was doing at the time with evidence-based policing and so forth. But, bless you, bless you, bless you. Yes, yes, I know. Um <laughs> But but he he understood though I think and and commissioners before him and certainly police officers coming up in the ranks who are now themselves on the executive and so forth uh, and maybe even at the, the the senior soup level but they all understand that you know 
if you just have more guns on the streets, whether it comes from illegal, legal, you know, that that really is the problem. I think they really took, uh, you know, they, they adopted this, as, as Minister Hines said, this unofficial policy of... Restrictive policy. Restrictive, yeah. It's a restrictive mm -hmm. policy. And that was, in their mind, one of the ways to sort of stymie and to hold the thing back, to hold back the flood. And I, I understand Gary Griffith's perspective in that he has a, a different point of view, not having had the benefit, I believe, of coming up through the ranks and seeing these things first. And I mean, all for all his experiences and all the things that he said, you know, he still doesn't have that in the, you know, you've been there for 30 years. Well, you know, his mindset are. also his training is that of a military person. Indeed. So he has a different life philosophy completely. I, I get the impression, I could be corrected if I'm wrong, that he has no problem with every eligible citizen having a firearm. That, yeah. That's the impression I get, which I is I am philosophically opposed to, because at the end of the day, it's almost like an unspoken right to bear arms direction you're heading, as is, as exists in the U.S. And I don't think the U.S. has had major problems with that from state to state, and that's a big country. You could imagine this condensed space with that. Indeed. I, I, you know, so the, the problem with firearms and, and, and crime in general is multifaceted, it's multidimensional. And I, I, I sometimes see, you know, we just go down one dimension at a time. And that's definitely not helpful. You talk only about legal firearms. That's not helpful. You talk only about, well, you know, it's, 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 and the way we talk about gun violence and the way we talk about gang violence in this country is, well, it's gang violence. The, the, and the impression being that, you know, or the hidden message being that, well, you are not being affected. You will not be affected by gang violence. It's only certain areas and certain people. So you have nothing to worry about, you know. Um, and it's it's it's. I I, I think the, the the solution to this is going to be, um, from my perspective, you know, we need to understand the problem more because there are a lot of things that we take for granted, certain assumptions that are made, and I could give a few examples, but you know that that are not correct when it comes to the causes and when it comes to the implications of actions in the past that is like okay we've had this measure before we've had this intervention was it successful because that's what we're not doing we just sort of keep throwing the kitchen sink at it everything and you know when this becomes um political well actually politically but when this obviously doesn't work you know and we need a, a, a sort of a um something to placate the public come up with another idea and we just throw it again there's no sort of a, a sense as to look back and see whether or not what we did, why it didn't work, and what can we learn from it? I think that, I just think they're scrambling. I think the, the, the situation is so overwhelming that it's scramb they're scrambling. I mean, yeah. it's really they really don't know what to do. It's so criminality is so multifaceted. The the advent or the evolution of the transnational drug traffickers are so sophisticated that they've infiltrated clearly the TTPS at some level. In, in some people's estimations, high-ranking level, clearly elements of customs and excise, you know, uh, which is how they operate in other jurisdictions. In other jurisdictions, they also infiltrate ju the judiciary because they are very sophisticated players. They either induce you by money or induce you by threats to your, your, yourself and your family because they're that, they're that powerful. I just have to call one name and we'll get the point. Dina Sita Hall. Oh. 
and you realize how sophisticated and how pointed and how powerful they can be. Does that actually put a, a chill through your body of how that was that that execution was that that assassination was executed? Follow her for months, identify her roots and her ha habits. And this is somebody who's worked in the American prosecution system, the UK prosecution system, was one of the most brilliant legal minds in this country. And they followed her, tracked her movement, follow her one night, aborted the mission. And I don't know if I'm saying things that people don't know out there. Followed her another night because there was an attempt before that they aborted, according to the intelligence. Followed her for another night, put concrete weights in a panel van, put that across, followed her with all that, pulled that pull across her so that she couldn't even ram, pull up behind her and aside her and open fire with a semi-automatic we weapon, so much so that she didn't have a chance to the world, God spare. It was a global level execution. In Trinidad and Tobago, ask yourself why somebody like Gilasita became a target. They imported, I, I use the word guardedly, assassination expertise imported somebody came into the country to spearhead and execute that with local operatives and then went back out to the country tell yourself if our police service and our protective services are capable of dealing with that sort of onslaught given the billions of dollars that may be at stake here so i guess it's easier to focus on the on the red herrings 108 legally obtained firearms involved in, in, in murders, including four murders and other criminal activity, when we well know that the real issue is illegal firearms. So let's talk about that for a week and forget the real issue. Come on. I mean, I've seen this play over and over. You know, as you mentioned, the, um, the placing of, um, of, 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 of mass or wheat into the, 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 picked up truck or whatever they used so that she couldn't ram it you know that same tactic was used i believe in the heist um where uh, i think it was on the Churchill Roosevelt on the highway, highway yeah mm. yeah where where that uh, <clears throat> security company uh was transporting cash to Tobago and you know somebody did the same thing you know they rammed them from behind had you mm -hmm. know they, they yeah so these are what you'd call um the MOs of sophisticated criminal uh, organization Yep, yep. Transnational organized crime. That's why they call it transnational organized crime. It's organized and very sophisticated. And they only invest that kind of money because of the billions of dollars involved. So I saw something this week, right? Um, was it last week? But, you know, when um, I think Darius Figueroa would have said yesterday that, you know, Europe is becoming uh, the hub for, well, not a hub, but a major destination for cocaine. And I think the economist, was it? They, uh, they did like this short video clip that they put out every every day more or less but they focused on the port of Antwerp in Belgium and it has become the major or the largest transshipment point for cocaine into Europe largely fueled by you know gangs from the Balkan regions and so forth but one of the things that I saw was interesting was that they had this bust with 11 uh, tons of cocaine just sort of in a container um, they have the same issues that we have in trying. They can't scan. Well, they have a lot higher volume, but they can't scan every single um, container. 
And the people that they eventually caught for this particular bust would have been the head of their um, the, the police unit, specialized police unit, vetted that deals with uh, um, drugs. So they, they caught, he was charged, um, another police officer was charged, or two other police officers were charged, and a single port worker. And what the head of the port there was saying was that it is so difficult to deal with, you know, just giving a bribe to a port worker simply for them not to put a container, not to put it in this location, but to put it in this location. And that, that was the sort of challenge that they were facing. And um, he was saying that, you know, the, the idea was that when you when you bring into, you know, the EU countries like, uh, you know, Balkan regions and so forth, and that, that they will become more like the EU, but it seems like they are turning the EU into like, into, you know, places like them, essentially. Hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was. It, it is frightening to say the least that we've been, we've allowed ourselves to get to this stage and, and the thing about it is that I find it quite amusing that one administration points fingers at the other because it's existed for the last four decades in the last two intensely. So while one administration, one party points fingers at another, they've all been subject to the vagaries of these. Uh, we can open the phone lines, 222-8655. Oh, jeez, and ages. and 866-525-1099. Two 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 eight two five five. You might as well do something, eh? And do nothing else. Six. I was reading on all the messages you sending me. Six one two eight two five five. Can't read and talk at the same time. No, I can't. I'm a man. Yeah. Men cannot multitask. You don't know that by now. Um, well, and toll free North Americans eight six six five two five ten ninety nine. All right. That's our numbers directly into our studio. Of course, don't forget our message board. You can send us a message via. Uh, our mobile app or our website at power12fm.com. Mr. Hines also said yesterday that the, the issue of Port of Fort of Spain, the airport, and Point Lisas weren't the main areas of focus now that they were looking at the secondary bonded areas, which is where they're finding that the illegal guns are coming through. Okay, you have this information. What are you doing about it? The Good morning, caller. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Um, Good morning. There, are two, there are two schools I thought to consider when you're talking about these two issues. One, um, the Commissioner, the, the Minister of National Security, sorry, Sharon Hines, or any minister could ask the favor of, a, of the Commissioner of Police to grant FULs. They could do that. That is the relationship they have. So, first of all, I don't understand why Gary Griffith, sorry, why Fitzgerald Hines, all of a sudden have amnesia. If you, if you ask Gary Griffith to give, especially people of his security, precisely, like, well, I don't recall as a legal maneuver, I always say. <laughs> yes, it's a cop-out. But for something that you could do, there's no reason to hide the fact that you did something like that. No, but you, you have to remember that it's against the contact, context of Dr. Munilal brought it out. I guess, and I'm, I could be wrong, to show in his mind that there's some level of hypocrisy in saying that Gary Griffith granted too many FUs, when you yourself has had uh, allegedly asked for FUs to be granted to people, that's mm -hmm. the whole game. Ah, I see. I see. You understand? See. So, so you are you yeah, telling me I get granted too much FUs, but, but you ask me for FUs yourself to be granted okay, for your people. You understand? So that that's that's what I think the intention was. 
Dr. Mullels, no. line of questions. The other, but the other avenue of that is the detail on which this came out, this information has revealed itself. I am seeing text communication between Fitzgerald Hine and Gary Gifford. Fitzgerald Hine not going and release that. So it means Gary Gifford is, is, is playing a nasty game of being a petulant little child, as I always call him. To be dropping t- um, private information that happened in you, uh, in the, with you, in the capacity of a commissioner of police, out on social media because and, you have like and, all people and that all politicians don't do that. And all, all, all yes, but, so, so what's different about Gary Griffith as a politician yes, that you wouldn't expect this because I've seen it from all, all the major political players have done this. All. Yes, what's different? Gary Griffith. How are different? How? In the, uh, in the capacity of a commissioner of police, is not a politician. Well, when you hire a former politician as commissioner of police, what do you expect? I guess, I guess the problem is Patrick Manning, who, um, um, but the problem is... Um, you didn't, you didn't hire a former politician who, as a commissioner of police? So, the problem so that is Guaway? That still said is Guaway sometimes? <laughs> Give me a break now, you, why are you delusional, right. yes? Absolutely right. <laughs> but yeah, brother, everybody, felt, everybody felt that Guaway was making a big mistake by pulling somebody from the belly of the UNC to make him commissioner of police. So you're, you're right, this problem catapulted from Rowley appointing Gary Griffith as commissioner of police. And why not? The biggest he made in his life is appointing Gary Griffith commissioner of police. So well, that's what he's saying he now, because, because the marriage fell apart. But why not if at the time Gary Griffith... You know, we like to talk about Gary Griffith as, yeah. as though he was Thank all you, bad. Gary Griffith wasn't all bad, eh? You understand? Gary Griffith made some significant gains, and, and, and in my opinion improve the public confidence in the police service i don't know that all the approaches will i agree with but we we can't pretend that gary Griffith is all bad and we can't pretend that dr rowley and the, and, the, and the government appointed him in a vacuum they thought he had the requisite skill set given the available people before them and they appointed him and he did quite well in some people's estimations it's just that the politician slash uh what you um commissioner combination may not be ideal for our circumstance all right and i recall i recall that the um when he was appointed dr Rowley, using that appointment as an example of his political maturity and that he was willing to reach beyond the the aisle. Aisle. yeah the and find the best person and there was nothing wrong with that all right gentlemen let's grab this call here thanks for holding good morning hey, good morning gentlemen morning um morning I want to express some disappointment with the journalistic community in Trinidad and Tobago. And I'll tell you why. Yesterday I listened to to the Dr. Yahad as a guest, someone who I've been listening to for a while, and someone who has encouraged me from listening to him to do research on the drug trafficking situation, the, the transnational criminal organizations. And a lot of what you're saying is confirmed if you do your research. And why my disappointment is this. The matter of murders and criminal activity in Trinidad and Tobago, whether it's human trafficking or what have you, they have been discussed mainly in a local context as if our crime fighting mechanism is a complete failure. Now, I'm not giving them any kudos, but I'm just saying that all matters, whether it's economic, whether it's climate change, this should be considered in an international context. And the information about um, transnational 
uh, drug trafficking and the relationship to murders is clearly outlined in the data. For the last at least five years, Trinidad and Tobago has been in the top 20 in terms of murders. And if you look at the list, they clearly identify countries along the drug trafficking routes, whether it's in East Africa, whether it's in Southern Europe or what have you. And all these areas, just as the doctor, as um, your guest was saying yesterday, all these areas are tied into a whole network of murders and criminal activity. Unfortunately, we are in the path of the drug trafficking. So I think we need to see it in that sense, because if we only analyze it locally, we will, ne we will never be able to see the real solutions. I will end by saying this. With all the work by the DEA and all the international crim um, crime-fighting organizations, drug trafficking now is at its highest point in the last two decades. So clearly, there's a failure in the international criminal me um, crime-fighting mechanism to fight back against this beast, which is the, the, the transnational criminal organizations that he was talking about. And I think we as citizens need to view it in that context. So when somebody would say, Dr. Rowley raising the prices of goods, that is irrational because you have to look at it in the international context in terms of what is taking place in Ukraine and otherwise. And similarly, crime fighting should be viewed in that context. And I would say that I am never, I've never been very optimistic about us getting a handle on it because we tend to not look at it in that context. I'll, I'll end by saying this. We have a commissioner of police in the past who is praised a lot. But the record show that he was was arrested and charged for being involved in drug trafficking. I leave it there for the while. That's nebulous. You have a commissioner of police who was arrested and charged for drug trafficking. <laughs> I think I that's not... Boros. Had to be before my time. That would have been Boros, I think. A I think long time ago in a galaxy, far, far away. <laughs> he was he was charged, and I think they the, they dropped the charge eventually. This was they found um, what was it? They, they oh found, yes, yeah, yes. that's Randall Boros. I think was his yeah. name. Yeah. Um. You just real read because you couldn't be alive then. <laughs> Good morning, caller. Pleasant Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Morning. Well, morning, sir. Add to the um, the to the abdinacy to her right that um the murder right a high profile person in society um good I'm standing right um that crime haven't been solved right sometimes even when you um look at these um GS one thing that's happening on TV sometimes you get that yeah sometimes you get the view or the the um imp um impression that you know what. These are things that are that are that are happening, but you know what? We can't do anything about it. We we just talk about it. We know the seriousness about it, but you get the, you you get the um um impression. You know what? We can't do nothing about it. And 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 I know that there are things that even you would talk, would talk on air, and there are things that you can't talk on air, because crime, um, guys, 
we had a look at the unsystem eh? we had a look at the unsystem of crime in in our country. There are people in high places and important places that is fostering crime right for their for their own selfish selfish reason and until we get men that will you know you know what look at integrity look at the country look at the look at the young down and look at the futures right we'll just be talking and talking and talking and nothing is not going to be done because all i mean even mr prince is strong so what so i live in a, so if i'm living in an area where where it's a crime where i mustn't try where i must go go along with the flow no no and i and i the problem too many people no and yes it's a small country and 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 you get the you get the um, impression well that is my friend or that is my family no we had to stop that and one more thing you see this gun thing to have a gun in our country whether it be illegally or from a legal perspective it come like a, a status thing then right to have a gun yeah you have status are up there with the um affluential and the and 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 the influential but again we had to check ourselves because we are wrecking ourselves and we're not doing nothing for our younger generation. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Good morning, Cora. The um the the Dana Sita Hall case though was solved. It was no it's no no no. They had Ra- Raji Ali was charged and his cohort. Well, charging is solving. Well, I mean, as far as the police are concerned, I mean that gets you no. to the. No, the, that, that, that solve means it's been resolved and it's, he's gone through the criminal justice system. A charge has been proffered against Rajay Ali and he's still awaiting trial, innocent until proven guilty. You remember that principle? I remember the principle, but I'm saying that, um, you know, with, with if we were to... This is just like from the what you record. If you... And, and if he's exonerated? That's, that, yes, that's a different Exactly. Story. Solve, solve is a strong sentiment. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Right. Good morning. I, I was just, I'll jump off from that, you know, and I will say that Rajiv, the alleged, was connected to government because he was running a program. Then we have this history, there's Bulky walking into the president's house, having our, our relationship. I mean, this relationship between the so-called community leaders and the political elite is a glaring, visible thing in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, um, RoboCop. Um, and it could go down the list. And I was with my father, yeah. can, I add, can I add a component to that? Yeah. Hello? Let me, let me be careful in saying this. <laughs> and we veer in Trinidad Tobago to a certain segment. And we don't veer to the people who could import and have alleged or fronting as big business, who are a significant component to the entire equation, because it's easy for us to look downstream as opposed to upstream. Yeah, and I know I will add that, you know, right. And and that is just one component in a whole exercise of looking at, 43 people who may or may not. And I think an interesting thing that was brought up by Sir Charles is that when you look in the hotspot areas, why you couldn't have 
these kind of permanent presence, like with the school situation, where now you have army and police there. You know, and I, anytime I talk, you know, because these gun things, men shooting off guns, you talk to anybody who comes from those communities, they would say, yeah, those fellas are bravados. They just normally shoot their guns off and to show off they have new weapons. And this one telling you, yeah, this one have new weapons and he will shoot it off. They will shoot it off over the hill. And then... Where's the wrong thing? Is the wrong thing? Yeah, it's a wrong thing. So, and now, and then now here you have an army and presence in, in a community and why you can have done that and why you, we can't have certain things in place because of a political elite that doesn't see it necessary to well, ask you something. Necessary don't you think don't you think the gangs know that the police army patrols in Russell and environs are unsustainable? Yeah, I think they have a fair understanding of what's don't going on. Don't you think on they know it's only a matter of time before that disappear and they go back to the old ways? Right. Yeah, no problem. But I but I'm also looking at it in the fact that we're not putting certain policies in place. That's why I always to support and improve surveillance. Because if you don't do the necessary things, um, I think the necessary auditing um and improve okay, you don't wanna give West the his authority to do he asking to this unexplained wealth. You know, the FIU, the other auditing arms, anything, public, proper public sector reform. When I see a political elite not investing in these things, I must say that you're kind of complicit in allowing or allowing a fertile environment or unfertile corrupt I will, I will go even further. Look at how many unanswered questions there are with the Vincent Nelson issue. Yeah, and it goes on and on. And I think, I don't know. They, so, I mean, any lawyer, one-on-one lawyer will say that somebody, I could accuse you that if you're not putting the things in place that you want the environment to be the way it is because it's supporting some sense. Um, if you listen to Captain... Is Captain Hero, right? Um, who will say a lot of corruption commander. is people... Yeah, Commander Hero. A lot of the corruption is people, friends doing favors for people, right? A lot of that is... is so when you're not support, putting in the auditing arms and in, in, in the places where they're supposed to be, I, I have to look at my friend and say, well, friend, I think you're kind of complicit in allowing the crime to be healthy as it is you, 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 you know at some point in time you are complicit you know they say if you stay silent you know this conversation we like to say all, um, not all police are bad but after a while if you sit to the side and do great you are also complicit in allowing your corrupted colleagues to survive and you might say well you know I, I fear for my life and everything but you will have to say yeah you are you become complicit so one bad apple you, spoils you the forget, whole and, and why and why shouldn't they fear for their lives when we had a scenario is it earlier this year i think it's earlier this year where an a police operation was in diego martin and an officer was shot in the back of the head but the commissioner of police went on tv upon the advice of his officers and said he was sure 
He was sure right. that the person that they were pursuing, Delano Romney, who was the person of interest at the time, was possibly the, the assailant because his officers mislead him. What happened to them officers who mislead him? Where they are now? They're back on duty. When right. does he hear about them? Right. What? When well, last have we heard about that case when an officer, I know they were taken off duty and there was an investigation ongoing, but an officer died more than likely from a police bullet. Right. right? And that might... And right. that just and gone into the great oblivion. A lot of things happen like that. And this is the thing. Now, right, and, and no individual should be able to be put their head on and thing because that is why you have unions and people and groups and things. And when you have these group representatives who are not speaking properly to the proper overhaul of the environment of the innocent, that is the complicit because you have groups who speak on behalf of me, the individual who don't want to stick school thing, and, and yet you're not speaking properly to the issues and supporting, you know, restorative things that will empower auditing arms. And that is the problem of the unions and, and representative bodies and the other things that you're not speaking to your membership in the way I think to, to make sure that the political elite understand. The Zeppo, they get it. They rarely get the Zeppo then of the, the situation of the, the society because the unions speak on behalf, and that means the membership in speaking to their representatives have to say something. I know within all that is a kind of we have the thing, but when you're speaking, how you speak is as important or more important than anything else. What comes out of your mouth in these certain issues, and I think when two speaks and when all these groups speak, you know, how we speak and I find all those things because, yeah, I don't think any individual should be placed on a thing, but we have groups. That's why we form groups because groups allow the the the, the, the individual to, you know, the whole match thing and stuff with the whole As with everything else, all they do is flood the group, the, the group scenario with agenda-driven groups. So it has so much group now, you don't know who is fish from. Yeah, from. well, I, yeah, it's not kind of religious. Okay. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> All right, five minutes before the hour of eight o'clock. Good morning to you. Thank talking you about so the, same, the same nonsense for 25 years here. Plus. You know, Paul, you mentioned um, the big fish. I, I don't know if you remember on the... I, I'm I'm looking at it here now on the August, big criminals. The big when criminals. When the smallest call them small criminals. So we like Wabi. to call them fish to, to soften it. The big <laughs> criminals. But we so call them the big criminals. August 22, 1700 well, more than seventeen hundred kilograms of cocaine found on Passy B Monas Island. Mm-hmm. You know, and you 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 and then the surrounding incidents with respect to that. Um, you know, the, the main house was not searched. They caught two local Trinidad, well, two Trinidadians and some Venezuelans. And then subsequent to that, there was a fire at Bryden's in Port of Spain. And uh, uh, I think the nephew of John Rahel, then health minister, was found headless. Mm-hmm. Is that the Curie murder you're talking about? Dr. Curie's murder, yeah. 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 Remember that? Very, very uh sinister scenario gruesome gruesome gruesome, gruesome and word. sinister gruesome yeah. as you would but again i mean and you, and you never hear why who what when who who held accountable who charged 
who convicted. Everybody just hush up, move on. Just another day in paradise. Carry on as normal. And we wonder why we end up in this this den of iniquity now. And, you know, and, and you know, to a large extent, I think about the, the criminal element. We're a country of talkers. We like to talk. We vent. We frustrated. We vent. But do we really hold anybody accountable? A lot of political mud sling, slung right, left, and center. But do we really hold anybody accountable? So something I would, I would, I would, I would say, you know, back then in 2005 when this happened, this was a few years after Dolce's arrest and um, execution, and I mean that was the year, the, the time clearly if you had dons. But since then, you know, we've had almost a, a, another generation of youths who are coming up in this thing. Because if you think about 2005 to now. You know, that's that's going on 17 years or so. Someone would have been born in that particular time. Is now in this thing, you understand? And you look at the the, the people that we are seeing who are, um, you know, in gangs, a lot of shooters and stuff like that. But the question I'd always ask is, do you think, do you think we are we we are still in the same phase of there being our local crime landscape being dominated by these large unseen players to this day? To the extent that it was back then, that's the that's that's more so than now, more so because the the tentacles have become more entrenched. There's a sense of impunity because, by and large, given the possibly billions of dollars in illegal drugs and guns that passed through this country, how many really people have been taken down? So why wouldn't I feel invincible as a as a as a gangster or a drug don? You understand the as you say the smaller. Ones like the ones that we, the notorious names that we've heard over the years, they they have been replaced, like a like a, a production line, but 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 we haven't really it, it hasn't stopped it hasn't stymied they replaced the people who are lower down in the pecking order rise, they face death they are killed sometimes or they leave the country, and it continues. Yeah, uh, let's take this call. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Doctor. Four o'clock in the morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to your guest there. Hey, um, Derek. When you, Doctor Paul, have a question. When you sit down in these in these committees, these joint select committees, and you hear these kind of comments and these kind of things like this, they say the security minister say that they ask him a question if he ever asks a favor, so. Anybody to get fired, and he said he do remember that. I, how how people can respond at me and man? I really think the honourable prime minister should make a change with the national security. I, I think Stuart Young is the rightest man for that portfolio. In in, in in my opinion. Thank you for choosing Power One Two Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at six a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power One Two Digital.